As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The dawn of week 17 means the end is near. The end of another difficult season and the end of a failed coaching era when the Bears take on the newly crowned division champs of 2017, the Minnesota Vikings. Will the Bears end on a high note or will they go away quietly? Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman joins us on the Week 17 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Not where we wanted to be at this point in the season, but... As they say, it is what it is as the Bears head into the final stretch or the final game of the 2017 campaign. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the Week 17 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And in just a few moments, Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman will be back on the show once again to help us preview this game. Uh, spend a lot more time talking about what the Vikings have ahead of them in the playoffs than we did about what the Bears and the Vikings have to look forward to this Sunday. Um, because, um, you know, for the most part, this is a game that matters to the Vikings as far as keeping their bye week. Um, it's it's going to take some doing for that not to happen, uh, but that doesn't mean that the Vikings, uh, you know, are, are going to pack it in uh, for this final game. Um, you know, if um, because they lost the head-to-head matchup with Carolina, uh, a few weeks ago, if Carolina wins the NFC South, which is still a possibility, um, then they would finish with the same record with, you know, like just say, for instance, if the Vikings, if the Bears beat the Vikings on Sunday, they'll be 12 and four. If the Carolina wins their game this weekend uh, against Atlanta, number one, I think they would keep Atlanta out of the playoffs. Number two, uh, well, they would also need the Saints to lose to Tampa Bay, which is highly unlikely. So that's what kind of hinges. It all hinges on whether or not New Orleans uh, beats Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay beats New Orleans, I guess I should say. But nonetheless, the Vikings should need to win in order to make sure that none of those other scenarios uh, matter. Because uh, I think you'll even hear Chris uh, say it, or maybe he said it off air. I'm not sure. But, you know, there's still an opportunity that uh, the Vikings, the Vikings do have something to play for. On Sunday, but I think as as Chris says, um, you know, a win on Sunday will invalidate the rest of those scenarios because I'm pretty sure the the Carolina and Atlanta and Tampa Bay New Orleans games are the in the second half uh, of the day. There's no Thursday night game this week, obviously, and there's no Sunday night or Monday night game. So basically, the season ends with the uh, the three o'clock game or four o'clock games, depending on your position in the in the time zones. Um, you know, for us here in the Midwest, it's 12 and three. Those are the games that they play. And, um, basically saying that, um, you know, with a win over the bears on, on Sunday, it eliminates anything that would have to do 
with uh, scenarios and whatnot in the second half uh, of the day in the afternoon games. So the Vikings have to take care of business against the Bears, which unfortunately for us means they have something to play for. So it's still there's still an outside chance that even if the Bears beat Minnesota uh, on Sunday, uh, Carolina has to beat Atlanta, which is not an easy task. And uh, Tampa Bay has to beat New Orleans, which is highly unlikely. So those two things have to happen. And Minnesota has to lose to Chicago, but in order to um, not keep their uh, bye week right now. So, you know, all three of those things have to happen in order for Minnesota not to have the week off. Um, but like I said, they could eliminate all of that worrisomeness uh, with a win over the Bears on Sunday, which, like I said a few moments ago, um, it, it, it doesn't bode well for the Bears because Minnesota's got something to play for, and they've been playing just as well, playing as well, if not better, than just about anybody in the league uh, this year. So um, things could get interesting for the Bears uh, on Sunday. God knows it was a completely meaningless game for both teams last year. Um, and the Bears went in there and Matt Barkley threw like five picks and we lost 38 to 10 uh, and all the rest of that, completing a 3-13 and season. So we'll see how it ends up for us uh, this time uh, this time around. Um, I was just um, scouring through the Bears news trying to find something to talk about and unfortunately just about everything that was there uh, has to do with the post black monday scenarios so it's basically any everything that i would want to save for next week's uh year in review show um by this time next week we should know the fate of john fox and even possibly ryan pace if some people have their uh way uh pace is most likely to stay but uh very highly likely i would say 99 percent chance that uh john fox is given his pink slip uh, next Monday. So when we do the review show next Monday, um, we'll, we'll I'll most likely save it. I mean, we might even know Sunday night after the game. Uh, that's how some teams do it. But um, we'll most likely know during the review episode on Monday. If not, then we'll definitely know uh, by the time we do the year in review show. And right now, um, Lauren Cox is most likely going to be able to join us. And I'm still trying to see if we can get Jeff Dickerson to come back because uh, thanks to technical difficulties with Skype, we couldn't get him on the midseason uh, review show, which I was very much looking forward to. But uh, And so was Jeff, actually. <laughs> but turns out that Skype picked that day of all days to not allow phone calls to be made through Skype. And it, it was a system-wide deal. I went online and I was looking at message boards. It was a, a, a cross-the-board thing that was happening so it wasn't just me which is the only comfort that i had in losing that interview that day but um hopefully we'll be able to get jeff to come back with the season ending you know these probably these guys are probably going to try to take a couple weeks off to decompress before moving on to the off season and whatnot so we'll see if uh we can get uh we can get jeff back on uh along with lauren cox and have a nice little blowout uh at the end of 2017 but like i said most of the news and notes articles have to do with you know who's the Bears' biggest free agency target? Who who is the best? Who's the player on the Bears most likely to make a splash uh, in free agency right now? That's looking like Kyle Fuller as far as other teams being interested in someone we have. Um, 
you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, really almost actually nothing to do with what's going to happen this coming Sunday, aside from saying that, you know, Trubisky is an improved player uh, compared to where he was uh, 12 weeks ago uh, when we played the Vikings on Monday Night Football. It's like, well, the problem is, as you'll hear me and Chris talk about, we're not playing the same team that we played 12 weeks ago in week number five. So, you know, when we played the last time that we played Minnesota, going into week five, they were coming off uh, a big loss to Detroit at home. They lost the defensive battle of all things between two, you know, pretty good teams on offense, 14 to seven at home uh, to the Lions. They had been up and down in their first four weeks, much like the Bears. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline where it was like a great performance one week and then to back it up by a weak performance the week after. Week one, they kill the Saints at home on Monday Night Football. Week two, they go on the road and get smashed by the Steelers, come back home and beat up on the, on the, on the Buccaneers, and then at home once again lose you know, for the second year in a row at home uh, to the Detroit Lions in a defensive struggle, 14-7, to seven, and now they're going on the road in a, to a, in a place where they don't win a lot of football games. This first game for the new rookie and, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, which is basically the only thing the Vikings had going for them as far as you know, Trubisky being a rookie, it's going to be a boomer bust kind of thing as, as most of those rookie debuts usually are. And um, you know, so there was a lot. There was a very, very different scenario going on week number five uh, than it is now. I mean, <laughs> week five, the Bears had a hell of a chance to win that game. They had history on their side as far as always winning the home games against Minnesota. The debut of Trubisky, national television, Monday Night Football, a great stage for this kid to make his name, uh, not only in, in this division, but in the league uh, by having a solid performance and uh, and everything, as opposed to now where the Vikings have established themselves as one of the best teams in the league uh, right now. They have a hell of a chance. It's something that Chris and I talk about quite a bit. They have a hell of a chance to be the first team in league history to host the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is being played in the uh, in the new Metrodome in U.S. Bank Stadium this year, and the Vikings have a hell of a shot as being the first team uh, to play in the Super Bowl in their home stadium. They've got a great shot, actually. It's a hell of a gauntlet they're going to have to run in the NFC to do it. But uh, they've got a pretty good shot right now, especially with the uh, the absence of Carson Wentz and how that could affect the Eagles in the playoffs. And, um, you know, with the Vikings most likely having that bye week and, um, you know, having all of their games at home in the U.S. Bank, they could end up playing all three of their playoff games in their own home stadium, which would be a hell of a thing. So, um, you know, 
now it's uh if this game was a regular season you know even though it is a regular season game but you guys know what i mean a regular regular season game um i mean the bears already like uh under like 12 point underdogs going into a meaningless week 17 game for the most part uh imagine what it would be had this game actually meant more than it does you know like a regular like if we played him again week 13 instead of week 16 or 17 um what the what the what the blowout number would have been uh for that one so um you know the vikings are a much different team now um they have emerged they are who they wanted to be and the bears are who they are at this point so um you know the chances of pulling off the upset they're always there Obviously, because it's the NFL and the Andy Give in Sunday deal and and what have you. But for the most part, <laughs> we're just trying not to get. We're, we don't want to have another thirty-eight to ten blowout like we did uh, going out like that. So I mean, it would kind of be the perfect way for John Fox to go out to have another disappointing performance, uh, you know, and just have that be his swan song as as Bears head coach. But uh, you know, like I said, we're not rooting for it. We're not Stephen Ratcliffe. We're not looking for the for the bears to lose on purpose so we don't hurt our draft status so stupid i i can't even tell you how much that bothers me i know i've taken a few minutes during the show to to tell you guys that before and and, and whatnot but nothing bothers me more than somebody who is unapologetically bl- praying for the bears to lose so we don't lose our spot uh in the draft right now i think we're at eight or nine or something it's a top 10 pick and we're gonna do with it whatever we're gonna do with it We'll worry about it when it when the season is over, when it when it finally is done, said and done, and and the Bears are where they are, most likely going to be five and eleven, which could help improve our stock, which would make this idiot very happy. But um, you know, I would much rather watch the Bears win, and worry about what that does to our draft status later. Okay, that's what I want to see. I want to see the Bears win. I don't want to watch them lose. I don't want to watch them get their ass kicked thirty-eight to ten like we did uh, at the end of the season last year. You know that was the silver lining to the Bears losing to Minnesota and finishing three and thirteen. Well, the, you know the end result is we got the number three pick out of it. Well, you know I'll worry about what our draft status is when the clock hits zero in the fourth quarter on Sunday against Minnesota. Then we'll see where we where we end up in the draft and and whether it's still in the top ten or if we've fallen out of it or or, or what have you. With with a team that has as many holes as we have right now, one pick isn't going to make or break the entire draft. So I am so not worried about that. We got free agency to get through before we can even worry about the draft. Okay, because you guys saw all of the acquisitions that we had in free agency. How much, uh, how, how did any of them help us this year? None of them really did. Quentin Demps got hurt week three. Never going to see the field again. Most likely going to get cut in the offseason. Marcus Cooper was a trash, was a, you know, dumpster fire. Um, Marcus Wheaton, <laughs> three catches uh, on the year and still trying to find a role on the team. Um, Jesus Christ. Mike Glennon, let's not even get started. Let's not even go there. Uh, you know, this is what, you know, we did in the offseason uh, to the point where our, uh, our rookie class, which has been pretty productive for the most part, even though we only had five picks, Trubisky has has been pretty good, has progressed throughout the season. Tariq Cohen has been a beast. Um, Adam Shaheen, hopefully he'll be healthy enough to play and finish out the year, uh, has made strides when we've decided to get him involved. 
Uh, you know, and of course, Eddie Jackson was playing, uh, played played well, pretty out. You know, started day one, has been healthy, and he's probably, you know, I think he leads the team in turnovers uh, this year, takeaways, fumble recoveries, and what have you. So, um, you know, we need a good off season, and we need a we need a good draft uh, so that we can play well in in 2018. And where we're picking doesn't really matter. It honestly doesn't. You know, it, it's. <sighs> We, we we have far more things to to worry about than whether we're picking seventh or ninth or sixth or eighth or whatever. You know, let's get through the season and then see where the chips fall and let's have a good off season as far as free agency because that's what really killed us this year was that none of the guys that we signed in free agency meant a damn thing to us uh, this year. Bears have a lot of work to do and where we're picking in the draft. You know, it, it's not going to make or break what happens uh, in 2018, I promise you. So um, anyway, like I said, all that stuff uh, that I wanted to talk about is stuff that I want to save for next week when we do the uh, year in review show. Uh, so basically, I'm going to go ahead and already step aside. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. Real quick, um, the injury report for Sunday, speaking of uh, off-season people, uh, Tom Compton. Uh, was full participation from a concussion. Full participation as of Wednesday. Off the injury report today, so he's good to go for Sunday. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson has a back injury. <clears throat> so he will. Uh, he was limited on Thursday. Bobby Massey and Josh Sitton both out with uh, knee and ankle injuries respectively as far as they have not practiced yet uh, this week. So we're going to need Tom Compton. Uh, back this Sunday, um, Adam Shaheen has been limited this week with it, with that chest injury. Hopefully, he'll be good to go uh, for Friday. And uh, Bradley Soul with the back injury was limited on Wednesday, full participation on Thursday. So Bradley Soul and Tom Compton, that's probably going to be the right side of our offensive line this week. Um, if if Sitton and Massey both don't play uh, on Sunday, um, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, what goes on there so another patchwork offensive line that we're going to be putting on the field on Sunday and hopefully that will help us hopefully they'll rise to the challenge and um, you know help Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen and and keep uh, keep Trubisky clean uh, on Sunday because the Vikings have a tough tough defense could be a long day for us guys it really could so um, anyway that's our quickie injury report and uh, now I am going to go ahead and step aside and welcome our good friend Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman to help us preview week number 17 between the Bears and the Vikings and looking forward to what the Vikings have to face in the 2017 playoffs. Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, gonna find you and take it slowly, ready or not, here I come, you can't hide. Gonna find you and make you This Sunday, the 2017 campaign comes to an end and most likely the John Fox era for uh, the Bears. Uh, but uh, to, uh, to conclude, for the, what, the third time in four years, I believe, maybe more, uh, the Bears are heading up north to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And that, of course, means that our good friend Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman is back to join us to help us preview this game. Chris, what's going on, my friend? Not a whole lot, Larry. Happy to be back and uh, happy to uh, to take a look at this one with you. As we, uh, like you said, for the third time in four years, this is how the 
regular season comes to an end for us. Yeah, it's it's odd that it that it has come to it uh, that way, especially two years in a row, exact same finish as uh, as last year. Um, but um, you know, here we are again, and, and we'll, we'll take it, I suppose. Uh, hopefully, I was I was hoping that you guys wouldn't need this game um, going into the uh, into the final stands that maybe give us a chance to to maybe tack on one more win before the end of the season. But, um, you know, Philadelphia's got home field locked up, but you guys need to win so you so the Saints or the Panthers don't steal uh, that bye week away from you. Yep, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I think uh, the folks from, uh, what site is that, 538, I think they uh, give the Vikings a greater than 99% chance of having the number two seed. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, there, there's like, three or four different things that would have to happen for the Vikings not to have the bye. But, you know, those of us who have been Vikings fans long enough know that we can't actually count on that bye week until the league officially tells us that the, uh, the Vikings are getting that week off. So we're, uh, we're going to go out there, hopefully take care of business and make sure that the uh, late games don't actually mean anything for us. Right. So we were going to start talking to it, and I decided not to waste it off off air. But, um, you know, 12 weeks ago when the Bears and the Vikings were weeding, meeting at uh, week number five, um, number one, they were, there was only one game separating them. You, were, you guys were two and two. We were one and three. And, um, you know, the, 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 you guys were, were – you'd just come off that loss to Detroit. Um, you, you were kind of on, on a disappointing beginning. You know, people were, I guess, uh, expecting a little bit more – from Minnesota in the beginning there and but um you know not knowing that the win against Chicago on Monday night would be the beginning of what like an eight game winning streak that would kind of define the season yep that was the that was the first of eight in a row uh we had uh we were kind of excited to see Sam Bradford get back out on the field until we got about uh two series into the game and realized that the guy couldn't move and uh they suffered through the first half with them and you know, Case Keenum came back in, and we got a got a win in Chicago, where it seems like we hardly ever actually come out with a victory. But yeah, that uh, that was kind of the start of this whole run for the Vikings, and you know, it, it, we got a win in Chicago, and that's uh, that's about as good as it gets most of the time. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, thanks to John Fox, it's the second time in three years that you guys have won uh, in Chicago. Not exactly putting our best foot forward against the Vikings. Uh, in Soldier Field lately, but um, the thing that I found interesting is that, you know, you, you guys hadn't quite found yourselves yet, or at least defined yourselves to be the dominating force that you've been for the last, uh, you know, 10 weeks. I mean, since that game, you guys were 2-2 two and two coming in. You're 12-3 and three now, so you were on a 10-1 and one stretch since you, uh, since you played in Chicago. And, you know, going back and looking at that game, you know, the Bears basically dominating the first half, if not for our own mistakes, who knows how much different the game could have been because we had a touchdown called back from Jordan Howard due to a holding penalty. We had another uh, pass, um, like a deep pass into the red zone um, that was called back due to another holding penalty, taking from my math at least 10 points off the board. So what was what, like, it was 3-2 to two at halftime, right? It was like a baseball score. At halftime, our one sack of Bradford in the back in the end zone, the only points that we have on the board, you know, it's like, do you think about how close you guys came to possibly losing that game on Monday night? Oh, yeah, because there was the, the start of the Trubisky era for you guys. Yeah. And he, he had stretches where he actually looked really impressive. And, 
you know, when the Vikings uh, had to punt away toward the end of the game, I think it was, I can't remember if it was right before or right after the two-minute warning and the game was tied. I think every Vikings fan, since it was at Soldier Field, just kind of expected that, okay, this is where uh, the legend of Mitch Trubisky starts as he leads the Bears on a 70-yard drive to get <laughs> get them in position for the game-winning field goal. And you now the, the first play of that drive, Harrison Smith uh, picks off Trubisky and we get uh, Kai Forbath in position for a field goal and manage to sneak out with the win. So it, it was a close one, but you know, a, a win by three points counts by or counts for just as much as a win by thirty does. So we'll take. Yes, indeed it does. I mean, it, and it just goes back to you know the Bears are sitting at five and ten coming into this last game, and um, you know if if not for the self inflicted wounds, the holding penalties in that Vikings game. You know, who knows how that game turns out, even if we save the touchdown from Jordan Howard and we keep that and, and, and what now that we're talking about a different football game, especially towards the end. Um, there are several other chances throughout the season that we've had um, where something that could have helped us put our best foot forward ended up, you know, when another penalty brought that back and uh, and things like that. Um, the Vikings, on the other hand, kind of used that game as a springboard you know, being able to to escape a place like Soldier Field, where they they very very rarely come out with a victory. Uh, you know, finding your quarterback basically, knowing that it wasn't going to be San Bradford anymore, at least that he was brought back too soon. Case Keenum really emerged in that football game, and you guys have kind of been coasting ever since. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, we they tried to put Bradford back out there again, and he just wasn't able to move or protect himself or anything like that, and. Yeah, it's a good thing that Keenum was on the uh, on the squad at that point because, you know, I'm not, not sure how many other backups could have come in and done the job that he's done so far this season. And, you know, he was a really under-the-radar signing this past offseason, and, yeah, now it's uh, looking like it might have been one of the, uh, the better transactions of the year. So what do you think happens there going forward? I mean, you still have Bridgewater. Um, I think Bradford, is contract-wise, is done – in Minnesota, Case Keenum, I believe, only signed a one-year contract. So now you guys are kind of on an island now about what your quarterback situation is going into 2018. Yeah, we sure are. I mean, there's, I mean, we have, uh, yeah, the only quarterback on the roster right now that's under contract beyond this season is uh, Kyle Sloter, the uh, the guy that we've uh, had as the number. Well, he was the number two quarterback uh, when Bradford was being uh, deactivated on game days and. You know, now he's uh, the number three quarterback with Bridgewater uh, back in the fold, and he's still being deactivated because if uh, if the Vikings release him, uh, someone's going to jump on him right away, and there's no chance of getting him back in that case. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, Keenum's obviously playing himself into a, I dare say, a Mike Glennon-sized contract. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I, we don't know if it's going to be in Minnesota. We don't know if it's going to be somewhere else. It may depend on if we're still this team's offensive coordinator in six weeks. But, yeah, it's uh, the Vikings have put themselves into a situation, that's for sure. And we're going to have to see how Rick Spielman and company uh, sort everything out because, to be honest, I have no idea which way they might be leaning at this point. You know, you make an interesting point about who your offensive coordinator may or may not be. Um, next year. I haven't heard his name mentioned much as far as the Bears are concerned, but Pat Shermer's definitely got to be a name out there that's going to get some attention, especially if the rumor that Jay Glazer put out there on Sunday, I don't know if you saw it, uh, he was saying that there could be as many as 12 or 13 job openings 
uh, in the offseason if if everybody that he thinks might be looking for a new coach ends up looking for one. Um, that's going to be a lot of guys getting an opportunity they wouldn't normally get when usually you're talking about maybe five, six head coaching jobs. Now we're talking twice that uh, possibly being open. And Pat Shermer, especially with, with the way that Bradford played underneath him and, and the way that Case Keenum is on fire lately, he's definitely got to be somebody that's turning some heads. Uh, he certainly is. And uh, the uh, the NFL, I can't remember what the name of the committee is. I think it's an advisory committee or something along those lines. But they put out a list of assistant coaches that they would recommend for head coaching jobs. And uh, actually both of the Vikings coordinators, both uh, Shermer and defensive coordinator George Edwards, were on that list of 12 guys. So, yeah, if there are 12 or 13 uh, job openings is in the uh, head coaching market, at this offseason uh, it's possible that minnesota could lose both of their coordinators and you know we'd have to see whether they promote someone from uh, within or they try to go outside for someone that mike zimmer might be familiar with but yeah it's uh it's going to be an interesting offseason for the vikings whenever it finally gets underway yeah i mean uh, it, it looked there for uh for a bit i mean especially the, like the last time we talked you'd you'd had two really really impressive showings and then two not so great uh, showings. You had that the, the the game on the road against Pittsburgh. Then two weeks later, you, you're you're at home and uh, losing again to Detroit. You know who's undefeated in that building somehow uh, in in the short you know in the short youth of that building. Um, but you know two really dominant wins on New Orleans to kick off the season on Monday night, uh, beating up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week number three. Uh, a, a win that looked especially impressive at that point in the season before it was determined that the Buccaneers are going to be a 4-12 and team uh, again this year. They were supposed to be a future playoff team that the Vikings beat up on. Um, you know, So the further we get away from that win, the less impressive it looks with the way that Tampa <laughs> Bay has been playing. But nonetheless, you know, it was an up-and-down first month of the season uh, for Minnesota for them to, for them to take that, that Monday night game in Chicago and have that be the first of eight wins that include victories over three playoff teams at least. Baltimore, the I mean the Rams being the more impressive one, twenty-four to seven over the Rams, and then also you know beating Atlanta uh, in a surprisingly defensive uh, struggle between those two teams. But you know for that to be the part of a, an eight-game win streak that included wins over three playoff teams, um, you know it's it's been really impressive to see the Vikings do their thing, and kind of takes me back to when we we're talking in the beginning of the year that. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Vikings, with their defense and and you know if they figure out how to get some things going on offense with the quarterback, to see them win eleven games this year, and they've already done better than that. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the big difference maker for this team is the defense. Mm-hmm. I, they're just shutting teams down. I mean, they're they've played teams that are not great the last couple of weeks, and that's what they're supposed to do with bad teams is just stop them and that's what's happened defensively anyway but yeah the the defense is tough it's going to be tough uh if uh, i mean this team could theoretically not leave their own stadium for the rest of the year that's crazy uh, yeah it it bounced the right way and you know teams are gonna have a hard time coming into minnesota i mean they've already beaten new orleans at home they've already beaten the rams at home and you know it's it's turning into a pretty uh pretty fun season for for fans of this team and after the past few years we uh we kind of deserve something like that i think <laughs> well i mean it's only been 48 years since you went to the super bowl so actually that I, I take that <laughs> back that's not right 
Uh, I've been thinking of the Chiefs, not the yeah. The Chiefs and the Vikings played a Super Bowl before. It's Super Bowl eleven, so forty-one years. So yes, you know it's it's still been a four-decade wait. Uh, you've got this beautiful stadium that will be hosting the Super Bowl uh, this year, and you guys have a heck of a shot at uh, being the first team to ever play in its home stadium uh, in the Super Bowl. I mean, you'd think that in fifty years somebody would have pulled that off, but uh, especially with the the Dolphins back in the seventies making several. Uh, Super Bowls, and that's where they played just about all of them back in the 70s. But, um, you know, for them to be in that spot, I mean, to talk about historic if they end up playing in U.S. Bank Stadium for Super Bowl Sunday. It really would be something. I mean, I'm not sure. With the way Super Bowl tickets are priced, I'm not sure what kind of a home field advantage you'd be looking at necessarily. But, you know, it beats the heck out of having to get on a plane and spend a week in you know, Miami or San Diego or somewhere you can go home every night and sleep in your own bed. And yeah. Dinner with your own family and not have to worry about any of the travel or any of the, any of the other potential uh, disadvantages. So yeah, it, it would be a heck of an opportunity for this team if they could somehow make that happen. You know, that's something I didn't really think about as far as the home team, you know, being there to host the Super Bowl is that they would be able to go home every day they wouldn't have to spend a week on the road during the festivities or anything like that i mean there there would be some of the super bowl accoutrement they'd have to deal with as far as family wanting to go to the game and you know all that kind of stuff but as far as you know the actual game week and the actual preparation sleeping in your own bed as opposed to your opponent having to sleep in a hotel room and uh and all that kind of stuff that would probably be a huge advantage i would think oh i I would definitely think so i mean I mean, you're you're there early enough for all the uh, the media and whatnot that uh, you know you get time to adjust and whatever. But yeah, if you're the home team, there's no adjusting. I mean, you're there, and you know it's where you, like I said, it's where you go home and go to bed every night and have dinner with the family. And yeah, it'd be it'd be significantly easier, I would think. And yeah, 52 Super Bowls. It's hard to believe that you know not one of the warm weather teams hasn't managed to pull that off yet, but nobody has right so <coughs> let's look past this game because quite frankly the outcome doesn't really matter um <laughs> you know we're looking at the playoffs for the vikings to tell you the truth i'm i'm pulling for you guys um not just because of the whole home team thing but um you know i i, I think i like the vikings chances best in the nfc right now but it's not going to be an easy road in the nfc um you know, the AFC, it's going to be New England or Pittsburgh unless somebody comes out of nowhere and, and goes on a historic run, and that's boring. That's It's always going to be one of those two teams for one reason or another. But in the NFC, yeah. you know, Philadelphia's got the best record. You guys are probably playing the best football, but you can't knock off New Orleans or Carolina. New Orleans, you haven't played since week one. Carolina, you actually lost to earlier this year. Um, Miami, or excuse me, the Rams are still out there. Um, you know, could be the Seahawks or the Falcons. And, and, you know, I mean, not teams that you haven't seen already this year, but nonetheless, it's not going to be as easy as, say, like, you know, New England or Pittsburgh is going to have to uh, find their way into Minneapolis this year. No, the, the NFC is so much better at the top of the conference than the AFC is. I mean, like, like we saw with the AFC, you know, Kansas City got off to a 5-0 and start and everyone was, you know, putting them in the, Super Bowl, and then they dropped like five out of six or something like that. Yeah, kind of squeaking into the playoffs, and nobody. I mean, they they have the ability to make some noise, but you know, 
when you're talking about New England and Pittsburgh, it's going to be tough. Uh, you look at a team like Jacksonville, who has a uh, pretty solid defense as well. They went out to San Francisco last week and got 40-plus points dropped on them, and mm-hmm. you can't trust Blake Bortles for more than one or two games in a row. So there's that issue for those guys. And, yeah, like you said, the AFC is going to come down to Pittsburgh and New England again. And, yeah, the uh, the NFC is going to be a real fight to see uh, see who emerges from there. I mean, obviously the Carson Wentz injury is a huge game changer mm-hmm. for the uh, the yeah. NFC, but, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, you can't really count anyone out in the NFC, I don't think. Because it always seems to be like there's a murderer's row in the NFC. It always seems that it's... It's extremely tough to get through the NFC, and it's the biggest question going into the Super Bowl, I feel, for the NFC, especially lately, especially with the, the continued dominance of uh, Pittsburgh and New England or you know, even when Denver and Indianapolis were in the mix. It was always one of those four teams that you're going to run into. In the NFC, it was always somebody different, and the question going into the Super Bowl is the NFC team, will what they've gone through make them battle-tested or battle-weary you know, for the mm-hmm. AFC team to take advantage of them? No, and that that's totally correct. I mean, you know, like like we said, it's a meat grinder trying to go through the NFC every year. Because I mean, you look at you know even if the two teams that are fighting for the sixth spot. I mean, there's you know, New England or not New England. What am I talking about? Atlanta. <laughs> uh, Atlanta was in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta's not a terrible football team. Uh, Seattle has Russell Wilson, a quarterback, who's probably on the short list of candidates for MVP because that guy's got nothing around him on offense Mm -hmm. i mean especially his offensive line i'm surprised how that guy you know has has been able to withstand 15 games so far but and and those teams are fighting to be the last team in the playoffs i mean we look at the rest of the conference i mean there's philadelphia and minnesota and you know even carolina who's probably going to end up being one of the wild card teams could potentially win 12 games i mean that's just crazy to me yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where there's potentially a 10-win team that won't make the playoffs this year when, you know, that's the, you know, that's going to be, there's, you know, the, there's there might be an 8-8 eight eight team that makes playoffs in the AFC. You know, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, like we talked about, started 5-0 and and then somehow let a team that started 0-4 almost catch them uh, in the standings. I mean, they were tied at 7-7 seven and seven at one point before Kansas City won their matchup against the, the Chargers. Uh, last yeah. week, so I mean, it's it's been kind of crazy in the AFC. The mediocrity always seems to be there, and then the cream is always New England and Pittsburgh, and there you have it. But the NFC, you know, there's always there's always a new team, and that new team is always a contender. Like going into this thing, nobody thought the Rams would be where they where they are. Everyone thought maybe the Eagles might be something, but that it was probably the Cowboys' division to lose. And there we are. Those are you know those are your top seeds you know, in there. And then the Vikings, you know, taking full advantage of no Aaron Rodgers this year. Thank you for that, by the way. And, (laughs) you know, making things interesting in the NFC, uh, letting it be somebody other than Green Bay that's going to make a run out of the North. Well, I mean, you don't want to celebrate injuries or anything like that, and I don't think that's what we're doing here. No. I mean, you know, it is is nice that, you know, I did kind of enjoy the whole – how Aaron Rodgers was going to come back and the Packers were going to run the table and they were going to get into the playoffs and then they were going to go to the Super Bowl. And that lasted about a week. 
and the Panthers decided that that wasn't going to happen, and now everything is back to the way it should be, quite frankly. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when uh, when stuff like that happens, I mean, we you have to take advantage. I mean, there was the uh, – I can't remember what season it was. It was uh, 2013, I think, where uh, Rodgers got hurt and missed about two months, and Detroit and Chicago both just kind of said, you know, we're not interested in winning the NFC North. Why don't we just uh, – give it to green bay again and that's what wound up happening unfortunately so yeah you know you have to you have to take advantage when you have the opportunities and that's that's exactly what they've done yeah it was a uh it was the first year for tressman that was 2013 it was actually the bears that ended up hurting him on a monday night game uh and Mm -hmm. he came back just in time to beat us in week 17 to take the division and uh go to the playoffs and that's the that's the season that got jim schwartz fired because the the (laughs) division could not have been more gift wrapped for him uh, you know, the Bears had figured things out on offense but had the worst defense in football. There was no Aaron Rodgers to compete with. It was the Lions division to take. You know, it was a down year for, for Minnesota that year. So it was it was the division yeah. was there and, and Schwartz could not have fumbled it as even, you know, worse than he did and ended up losing his job uh over it. But um you know, I know you gotta go soon, uh Chris, so I got, you know, one more question for you. You know, going into the playoffs, what's the one thing about the Vikings that concerns you that, you know, you consider maybe a liability in the playoffs where, you know, if if your opponent figures out how to handle this, then they might just have you? I mean, the way the Vikings have played this year, and we did this, I just did a similar question for this for a preview that we're doing among the uh, the NFL blogs for, uh, for SB Nation, but... Uh, basically, I, I went and looked it up, and in the uh, in the three games the Vikings have lost, they're minus six uh, in the turnover, the plus the plus minus ratio, and uh, overall for the season they're at plus five. So you know they're plus eleven in games that they've won, and minus six in the three games that they've lost. And you know, whenever teams have to sustain drives and go long distances against this defense, it's very very tough. Uh, for them to do it most of the time. Uh, if the Vikings get, uh, hopefully, both of their conference playoff games at U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, it's going to be even tougher with the noise and everything else. So if if teams can figure out how to get the Vikings to turn the ball over, uh, the Vikings could be in trouble. But, you know, if the Vikings just continue to play smart and hold on to the football and don't... Uh, don't fumble or throw things away like they have a couple of times this season. Uh, it's it's going to be tough for any team that, that comes into that building. Yeah, and I think that's probably why I like the Vikings um, in the NFC this year. And I hope I'm not jinxing them by giving them my endorsement. But, you know, the, with Wentz being there and, and Foles, you know, not having he's – he's got a good reputation as a quarterback, but, you know – He's swimming into uncharted waters here, and I just think that the Vikings have a little bit too much going for them uh, right now to uh, to not come out ahead in the NFC. Yeah, that's that's the thing about being a Vikings fan. You're just constantly waiting for the other shoe drop and something bad to happen, and hopefully uh, this is the season where that winds up not being the case, and we'll we'll see how that all plays out. But, yeah, I, I don't think you have to worry about jinxing us. We We do plenty of that on our own. You know, and I think that's why I like talking to you and Jeremy Reisman is that, you know, we feel each other's pain as far as being those teams and always waiting for something else to go wrong. It's like I'm enjoying things when they go great, when things are going well and, and, you know, it's going in our favor. But there's always that little thing in the back of your mind like, 
any moment this is all going to just fall apart and I just know it kind of thing. So I think that's why the three of us were like kindred spirits as far as that goes. Those lousy Packer fans, for some reason, don't have that feeling uh, for them. So, uh, you know, so good luck in the in the playoffs, and I hope to see Minnesota representing themselves uh, in the NFC playing in their own building this year. Hopefully, uh, I would like to see that happen as well. Hopefully, uh, that'll be the case. And, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman helping us preview Week 17 and looking forward to making a run through the NFC playoffs. If the Bears want to come away with a victory on Sunday, it is very, very simple in my opinion. The offensive line has to perform, period. Um, Thanks to the Browns being the Browns, we were able to get away with the performance they gave last week. The the five sacks, uh, two yards of carry for Jordan Howard, who had 20 carries, uh, you know, 22 to be exact, uh, last week, uh, Trubisky was our leading rusher because he had to break the pocket and scramble uh, a bunch of times uh, last week. Tariq Cohen had, I think, nine yards on two carries, or maybe it was something worse than that. Who knows? But, um, you know, nonetheless, it was a less than stellar performance by the offensive line against, uh, you know, against the Browns. And, and thanks for the, the, you know, them being the Browns and, showing us why they were 0-14 by making more mistakes that you can count uh, last Sunday. Like I said, we were able to get away with the performance that they gave uh, against Cleveland. We will not be able to get away with that, even against second stringers uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. This is an extremely well-coached, well-disciplined team. And as you heard Chris say there towards the end of the interview, the one thing that the that you know can that has hurt the Vikings more in the three losses that they've had this year are making mistakes and and turnovers. Uh, Minus six in their three losses this year, plus 11 uh, in the games that they've won. So, you know, on the off chance that Minnesota does make a mistake, the Bears are going to need to take advantage, full uh, advantage of it. But, you know, they've won 12 games. They've only lost three. The probability of them making a mistake is not very high. Uh, on Sunday so um, you know like I said at the beginning of the show this is a team that still has something to play for Uh, they're looking to make easy work of the Bears on Sunday so as to eliminate any scenario of Carolina taking away their um, bye week because New Orleans can't do it Minnesota's got the head-to-head victory over New Orleans so if anybody's going to take that bye week away from them it's going to be the um, Carolina Panthers because Carolina's got the head-to-head uh, advantage uh, over them um, because the Vikings also beat the Rams uh, as well. So, I mean, the Rams can't catch them anyway. I think they're 11 and four, so 12 and four is the best they can do. But even if they did, the Vikings have head to head. So Carolina is the only team that can catch them. New Orleans has to lose. They have to beat Atlanta, and the Bears have to lose to Minnesota, or the Bears have to beat Minnesota in order for the Vikings to lose that bye week. So all of those things have to happen. Um, in order for Minnesota to lose it, but they can eliminate all of that by beating the Bears on Sunday, which is more likely than anything else uh, that uh, you know the scenario calls for. So, um, you know, but if we want to make a game out of it, 
Um, we can't have another Matt Barkley performance where he was just a mad slinger. Uh, you know, week 17 last year, the guy was absolutely throwing it all over, all over the place. Um, you know, put the ball in Jordan Howard's hands, keep the ball out of the hands uh, of Minnesota. Like the, the guys that they have, Stephon Diggs and, and Adam Thielen, they're not household names, but these guys are extremely good um, in, the, in the passing game. They have Kyle Rudolph as their tight end. Uh, Latavius Murray has had to step up since, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook got injured early on in the season, just before playing the Bears, actually, week four against uh, the Lions when he blew out that ACL. But, uh, you know, in case Keenum is playing just as just well as any quarterback in the league uh, right now, talk about uh, that was actually one thing I wanted to bring up and I forgot during the news and notes section. Somebody asked John Fox or I don't know if it was Fox or Pace that they asked about. Um, you know, do you think the season would be any different had we signed Case Keenum instead of Mike Lennon? It's like, oof, man. <laughs> Talk of, there's a there's a what if question for you right there, right? I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, I'm sure that the supporting cast with Thielen and you know Murray and uh, you know Stefan Diggs and uh, has just as much to do with the success as Case Keenum himself. So. Who knows how effective Case Keenan would have been for the Bears had we signed him instead of uh, Mike Glennon. He certainly would have been a much cheaper option. Uh, there's no way that uh, with the way Case Keenum, you know, he was this is a guy that got benched last year and in favor of Jared Goff around week 10 or so last year. There's no way if the Bears are calling, he's asking for 16 mil uh, a season, which probably would have been economically a much better way for the Bears uh, to go. You know, let's go with a Case Keenum, but then, you know, maybe that also tips the Bears' hand as far as what their plans are at quarterback. Who knows? But, I mean, talk about a what-if scenario. If the Bears had gone out and gotten Case Keenum and said, you know what, you're going to be our starter this year uh, or, or what have you, how different would the season have turned out? Um, with that supporting cast, who knows? Honestly, it, it's, it's, it's tough to say. We saw how he played last year, basically in a similar situation, with the Rams, they didn't have aside from Todd Gurley, they didn't have any of the the offensive weapons that they had uh, this year with um, Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods and uh, you know guys that they acquired later on in the off season, and uh, um, you know it would have been the same situation. Todd Gurley being the only offensive weapon that they had, and then go to Chicago where Jordan Howard is the only offensive weapon. Uh, that you had and the rest is just hopes and dreams as far as trying to move the football down the field so it's uh, it's an interesting scenario based on the way that Keenum has played but uh, you know I would argue that his supporting cast and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen uh, Kyle Rudolph and Latavius Murray and, and whatnot have just as much to do with how well he's played this year as you know him himself um, you know having s- such a strong season uh, this year but um you know, it was one of those questions where it's like when I read the comment, I was like, "Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, where do you think the Bears would be? You know, uh, do we would he have seen as much of Trubisky this year uh, as we have if um, if uh, Keenum was the quarterback? And, um, you know, just looking at his stats this year, 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's as many interceptions, believe it or not, as Trubisky has thrown this year he's at seven and seven seven touchdowns seven ints uh hopefully he can throw at least one against minnesota to kind of tip that in the favor of touchdowns but uh you know if not for that bad day that he had in uh detroit you know 
he'd be well ahead as far as touchdowns over interceptions. But it was an interesting question when I read it about how how the Bears' season may have turned out, uh, you know, or, or what have you, if they'd have gotten Keenum instead of uh, Mike Glennon. I'm sure it's a move that we as Bear fans wish we could go back and fix. You know, we had that conversation earlier this year. Uh, somebody tweeted out uh, if there was one move or one thing that you could change uh, in recent Bear memory, what would it be? And, uh, you know, everyone's talking about Super Bowl 41 and uh, hiring Bruce Arians instead of Tressman, not hiring Phil Emery, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and of course, the one that I liked was drafting Aaron Rodgers in 05 and letting the chips fall where they made there. You know, with, with Grossman, uh, you know, basically being injured most of his first two seasons uh, and, and getting, then again getting hurt at the beginning of 2005. So even if we drafted Rodgers and we still kept Grossman, uh, Grossman gets hurt in the preseason. He misses like the first 12 weeks of the season. Aaron Rodgers is forced into duty no matter what. So, um, you know, there's that scenario to, to play with, you know. But if you could go back and erase one move for this season – uh, Adam or Mike Lennon would be it, no doubt. You know that that would be it. Get rid of uh, Mike Lennon. Go ahead and sign Case Keenum or somebody. Knowing that we're going to take Trubisky, go and get somebody that um, you know that the Bears wouldn't fight tooth and nail to keep on the field because they paid the guy sixteen million dollars. Case Keenum, you know, backup quarterback comes in, knowing that we're not expecting much from him. We just need you to get just get us through this season. Uh, kind of thing, maybe sign a one-year deal, maybe two tops, maybe making $5 million a season, not going to break the bank or not make a splash that, uh, that signing Mike Lennon did. But the Bears played that smart in the end because we pay the guy for one season. It's only a $2 million cap hit at the end of this year and uh, or at the beginning of 2018, and we get to move on. So it's basically a one-year uh, $18 million deal that the Bears had with with uh, Glennon and we get to move on and Trubisky's our quarterback and now we have to go out and see if we can find a Case Keenum uh, to back him up next year so that's an, that's an interesting move that the Bears are going to have to make and go out and self, get themselves a, a backup quarterback because uh, you know it can't be Mark Sanchez the guy's been coaching uh, all season as, uh, as inactive for all 16 weeks but um, anyway to get back to uh, what we're talking about here um, on offense. It's got to be the offensive line uh, to help open up the lanes, to keep Jordan Howard upright and running, keep, um, keep Trubisky clean, um, keep him in the pocket so he can throw the football as opposed to having to force him to run uh, all the time. And our receivers got to do a better job of getting open because that's been the, the thing this so many times this year, um, either, um, Trubisky hasn't been able to, when the receivers have gotten open, our offensive line has failed us. And when the offensive line has pulled it, pulled out, pulled it off, the receivers can't get open. So it's, it's kind of been a one and half, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other kind of situation as far as the passing game is concerned. And then, uh, you know, the offensive line has just got to get it done against this Vikings front uh, in the run game to, uh, you know, if we want a chance to win this thing uh, on, on defense, we just have to not make mistakes. No defensive holding penalties or anything like that that's going to help the Vikings. You know, we want to 
you know, in, in you know, you could easily go back and look at week five as the Bears beating themselves or the Bears losing the game more than the Vikings winning it. Because we've talked a thousand times about what if if the Bears, number one, don't have that holding penalty on the Jordan Howard touchdown that got called back. If they don't have the holding penalty on the Trey McBride catch that got us inside the red zone, you know, those are 10 points you could easily put on the point on the board for the Bears that easily won us that game. We lost 20 to 17 on a field goal with 12 seconds to go in the game. You know, it's uh, it's uh, you know, we come back and Trubisky in his first game gets the Bears tied at 17 with like three minutes to go or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it it killed us. Um you know, those penalties absolutely killed the Bears. But those 10 points definitely changed the complexion of the fourth quarter uh, for sure. So what if, what if, what if? That's all we can talk about for 2017. But, uh, you know, honestly, guys, it's it's been an interesting year. Uh, I'm happy to see it come to an end. Um, as tough as it's been to watch the Bears play the way that they've played this year, um, you know, I still love watching them play. I look forward to 2018 and, and what this uh, what it what it holds for us. Who our new coach is going to be? Who our offensive coordinators are going to be? This is such an important hire, you know. Now that we do have a Trubisky and we we got this kid that that's shown great potential despite the coaching staff that he got brought into, um, you know, to see who we got out there that's going to be able to guide him going forward. Will it be the right guy? Can they nurture Trubisky and help him make the leap from year one to year two? Um, you know, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen, uh, there. And, uh, otherwise I just want to see him kick some ass on Sunday at the very least, make it interesting, make a game out of it. If you have to go down, uh, and, and fall to five and 11 at, uh, at least, uh, you know, let them know who you are on your way out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, other than that, that's all I have. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, go ahead and take off right now. And, um, I want everybody to, uh, be safe. It's uh, it's coming. New Year's is coming up. So everybody be safe. Uh, I'm an Uber driver in my spare time on the weekends. I plan on making some cash this weekend, driving some responsible adults home uh, from their festivities uh, on Sunday night. If you're out there, please don't drink and drive. Call one of my me or one of my fellow Uber drivers out there. Let us take you home so we can get you back and forth safe and sound especially with the the weather being what it is, uh, especially here in the Midwest, it's snowing and, you know, the roads are going to be ugly and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, be sure and call an Uber or a Lyft or whatever the hell you have. If not, then call a freaking taxi. Do not drink and drive, all right? Anyway, that's going to do it for me. We'll be back on Monday to review the game between the Bears and the Vikings. We'll more than likely be talking about what the fate of John Fox is on Monday. And if not, we're definitely going to talk about that next week with Lauren Cox and most likely and hopefully knock on wood Jeff Dickerson from ESPN uh, as well so enjoy the game enjoy the weekend be safe happy new year and until then my name is Larry D and this has been Chicago Bears Review